Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of 80s All Over. This is Scott Weinberg coming to you solo this week. I hope you don't mind. Uh, but uh, we're going to be running through uh, some feedback that I asked on Twitter. I posed a question. Name a movie you watched because we mentioned it on 80s All Over. Strong reactions are preferable, but explain yourself. And thanks. So this is uh, Drew and I. It's one of our favorite things to talk about about the show. Uh, I can't imagine that there's much more feedback that's more rewarding than I rewatched or discovered a movie because I heard it on the show and we loved it. Helping people discover or rediscover a great movie is it's the ultimate reward for a show like this. Unless, of course, the reward was um, Google bought our podcast for $5 million. That reward might be slightly better than you saying, boy, I like that movie. So this is a bonus episode for the patrons. And again, thank you so much for your monthly donation. We are ridiculously appreciative. So uh, my friend Allison, who is at Mitzi247 on Twitter, and she said, I rewatched the pirate movie. I like destroying childhood memories. I still like the costumes and the happy ending song. So there you go. Now, the pirate movie is, in many ways, a laughable, ridiculous, inept, bad movie. But this just goes to show you that, like, if you saw it when you were four or 14, and you maybe didn't love the movie, but a certain couple of moments, a joke, a song, uh, uh, like she she mentioned, the costumes, uh, that kind of stuff sticks in your memory. And then you're rewatching it 25 years later, and you go, oh, I had no idea this was so terrible. But, oh, there is that happy ending song. So, yeah, you know, uh, good for you, Allison. I appreciate that. And she also said, to make up for it, I'm trying to track down a copy of Used Cars, which I have not seen. And I'm going to show my boys Popeye after we're done exploring Miyazaki films. Allison is a great parent. She is not showing her children used cars, but she is trying to show her boys Popeye. And uh, let me know when you're, uh, after that experiment, Allison, let us know, uh, what your boys thought of Popeye, because uh, I could see modern kids being either uh, maybe falling for it, but maybe I'm cynical. I, I think that uh, younger kids might turn their nose up and laugh at it, think it's corny. So now we go to Taylor, who is Fury Road Rules on Twitter, and he says, Road Games, love all that Hitchcockiness. And then uh, our friend Bloodsucker Jones says, Road Game fucking rules. That is, of course, Richard Franklin, who would go on to do other Hitchcockian films like the great, uh, maybe not great, but very good, Psycho 2. Um, and yeah, he, he had a, a real thing. He was like a De Palma in a way, Richard Franklin. And he, uh, he also did Cloak and Dagger, which Drew and I are looking forward to getting to. And he, uh, like De Palma, uh, was clearly inspired and influenced by Alfred Hitchcock and then also found a way to... Uh, incorporate his own attitude, his own color, his own style, so it wasn't simply just copying Hitchcock, uh, which I think a lot of people accuse De Palma of, but I don't think he really does. Maybe he leans on it a bit too much, but uh, I, I like it when I see filmmakers uh, admiring and, and even emulating filmmakers that they like, as long as they don't, you know, overdo it, and then it just feels kind of lazy. So, Road Games, glad that you guys liked that one. Uh, Philip Guest says, The Evil Dead like Drew, I think ED2 is the best of the series, but I had forgotten how original, bloody, and unnerving the first film was. That's a great point. Uh, Drew and I discussed The Evil Dead, and uh, having revisited it just prior to the episode, it struck me, like Drew mentioned on the regular episode, how um, 
how brutal and nihilistic and, and un, unrelenting it is. It, it's not, you know, Evil Dead 2 has some wild, gruesome stuff, but it, it often does slow down to be colorful and weird and silly. But Evil Dead is, is to its credit, I think, you know, consistently doom-ridden. It's just like dread is throughout the film. I remember seeing it on VHS when I was younger and just you know, creeping me out. Like, do I want to see the next scene? Do I want to go around the next corner? Some of the best, uh, really intense, brutal, even gory horror films capture that. And Evil Dead is great, 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 great. If you haven't seen it recently, definitely dig it up. Uh, John Ducky who is Liz Miller, said, I saw Evil Dead when I was 15. A friend was going out with a guy who was a few years older than us. Scared the crap out of me. <laughs> uh, our friend Ian Brill, who is I Brill on Twitter, says, Used Cars was conveniently playing at the New Beverly after you talked about it. Double feature with I Want to Hold Your Hand. Uh, of course, that is the two films from uh, Zemeckis and, and Bob Gale. Uh, I Want to Hold Your Hand, of course, is from the 70s, so we didn't get to cover it. But if you've never seen it, it is a very entertaining movie about a bunch of kids who are, uh, are go nuts trying to um, break into the Beatles Hotel. And um, that's a really entertaining movie. And I think, again, I think Used Cars might be our... Um, a number one most uh, cited film when I ask this question. And it just pleases me to no end because uh, Used Cars is just a, a fun, wacky, raucous, consistently funny movie. I love it, love it, love it. Let's move on. We have, oh, Jeff Movie Man, a, a very loyal listener, says, uh, an American werewolf in London. Love, love, love it. A textbook example of a great horror comedy. First off, you are always supportive of the show. Thank you. And secondly, I am amazed uh, that you hadn't seen American Werewolf in London before now, but it, it does make us happy that we helped prod you into seeing it. It's awesome. He also watched Gas, if you can remember that one. And his only comments are, God damn it. God damn it. Uh, he also found the unbelievably awful obscurity, Goodbye Cruel World. And to that, he comments, it's a thing that happened. That's it. And uh, the James Conn film, Hide in Plain Sight, that Drew and I thought was passable, decent. He called it a decent film overall. So there you go. Thank you, Jeff. That's Jeff Movie Man. Uh, and uh, he's always hot to get the new episodes. And I appreciate it. Uh, we, have, we have a handful of listeners who are just rabid. And I appreciate it because there are a handful of podcasts that I look forward to them dropping every week. Uh, like like a kid on Christmas morning. So uh, I, I can totally uh, relate and appreciate that compliment. Thank you. Chaz F. Fisher says, Arthur, I thought Moore and Minnelli and Gielgud were amazing, but that's a film definitely less than the sum of its parts. Fair enough. Uh, it is a bit, um, I, I, it's a very lightweight movie. It's just a very simple uh, rich guy uh, falls for a woman and will probably lose his, uh, his inheritance if he uh, marries a quote-unquote commoner. Uh, and he is, of course, a lush and a drunk. And John Gielgud, uh, who won the Oscar for playing his caustic, uh, hilarious butler. I could see that. I could see. Uh, and also, I forget his name, but the gentleman who plays um, Eliza Minnelli's father, who you know from Seinfeld and everything. He's great. I, I could see not loving it, but uh, at least appreciating the performances. So thank you, Chaz. San Diego Cinerama says Mephisto. I'm seeking out Zabo's other films and eager to hear your thoughts on Colonel Riddle when you get to it. Thank you, Mephisto. That, again, that's a movie that I probably never would have uh, bothered with had I not been the co-host of this show. So I am uh, also appreciative to this show that I was able to watch Mephisto. And uh, thank you, San Diego. If you're in San Diego, go to the Cinerama. Uh, Todd Sokolov 
says, bad timing. I'm not sure how I ever missed this one. Amazing find. Good call. Uh, this is Tom Kennedy, who is Big Tom underscore 79. He sends me an image. And the image says, this is a sampling of my 80s all over collection, including preemptive purchased Midnight Run sitting atop the Blu-ray player. I bought that. I bought so I can actually watch them. Oh, Tom's overseas. Great. Uh, Thief, Battle Beyond the Stars, my favorite new discoveries. Popeye, The Thing, my favorite revisits. So his image here has used cars, Walter Hill Southern Comfort, the great Midnight Run, which, spoiler, we'll get to in a few years, but it's great. The Long Riders, that's the Western with all the brothers, uh, Barry Levinson's Diner, uh, Death Trap, Battle Beyond the Stars, The Thing, Thief, Time Bandits, and Popeye. Damn, brilliant taste. Uh, Felipe Sobriero, I believe I pronounced that right, Sobriero, and uh, he is on Twitter at The Real Sobriero, and it says, Tarzan the Ape Man, and a real nasty, ugly red face. I, I think a lot of our listeners maybe do tune in to hear like, of course they want to hear like, oh, that sounds good. Maybe I'll rent that thing. I never heard of that or uh, I want to watch that again. But I think a lot, some of our listeners also keep a, an ear out for stuff that we call absolutely atrocious. And uh, it's kind of like most movie geeks go, all right, I got to check that for myself. And, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So when you hear us uh, hate under no circumstances, watch this movie. Uh, it doesn't. It, it means if we piqued your curiosity for a movie, good or bad, Fine by me. Uh, so yeah, Tarzan the Ape Man. <clears throat> Sorry, brought that to your attention. Sobriero. Now we have Demetrios Patsiaris. All right, a Greek gentleman. And he says, hero at large, period. No explanation. And then a gentleman said, Matt Butler responds with, dude, I love that movie. Thought I was the only one who knows about it. The great, that's great. Hero at large, of course, is a uh, John Ritter and Archer, mostly forgotten. Uh, he's a likable uh, out of work actor who dresses as a superhero and acts and inadvertently uh, stymies a crime and becomes a reluctant hero. And it's all very uh, simple. And you know, but the uh, the leads are very charming and uh, the nostalgia value is strong with this one. Let's put it that way. Uh, John Harden says. Condor Man, and I didn't hate it. Although it's not an overall success, I like some of the goofy 80s design in it. And then Joel Wynn responds with, love that movie as a kid, Saturday matinee. Condor Man, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I never saw it as a kid, but I saw it as an adult, and I legitimately don't think I would have liked it as a kid. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm a little, a little bit snooty towards Disney live action stuff when I was a kid, but I think they all we all kind of go through that. Uh, but I am glad that people like Condor Man, and it definitely does have a cult following. Dave in Your Cave says, Raw Force. I'd heard the Red Letter Media guys, but were amazed by it. Then you guys sealed the deal. It was nuts. Also, where did everybody else on the cruise ship go? <laughs> Raw Force is an insane action movie. You have to see it if you're interested in just wacko obscurities. It has about five or six different genres in one. Uh, and it is one of those movies you watch and your eye uh, every 15 minutes. You're like, wait, what? What left turn did I just go down? That's a fun one. Uh, oh, Brian Scoodle. I believe it's Scoodle. He is on Twitter at Scoodle Lemire. Sorry, Brian. But he says the world according to Gart. Because of the passion, Drew and Scott spoke about it last year. I added it to my viewing this past year, and it had a profound emotional effect on me. Never a huge Robin Williams fan, but his work in the film left a mark, as did everyone else. 
uh, yeah, we've got a, we got a lot of nice feedback from from um, that that review. We both got a little emotional, but uh, over Robin Williams, and I'm sure it'll happen again because the man just had a beautiful heart and a ridiculously talented man. And uh, it just when I think about him for too long, it it, it breaks my heart just a little. And uh, it gets better year, you know. But it just it's a devastating loss. And the world, according to Garp, in my opinion, is a fantastic testament to his early talent. Um, a lot of people had just dismissed Robin Williams early on as this overly manic uh, stream of consciousness, uh, a coke-y, coke-fueled stand-up comic, and in many ways he was that, but man, he really evolved into a great actor, slowly but surely. You know, every three or four years, people would go, oh, Moscow and the Hudson, oh, Dead Poets, you know, like every few years, and, and this was probably the beginning of that, where people thought Robin Williams had more to him than just wackiness and uh, they were right and it's a fantastic film if you've never seen the world according to garp listen to brian scoodle or scuttle sorry brian and uh, definitely dig that one up uh now we have marcus ponto he says popeye i don't quite feel the love like you two do but i liked it the stunt man fantastic yes popeye is most certainly an acquired taste without question uh the stunt man i think is not just a great film but i think it's really appealing to movie nerds because it, it has kind of like a, a twisty film noir uh, plot, but it also deals very specifically about a film production and the shadiness that might goes on uh, and stunts and producers. And it, it's a great, great, great movie, Stuntman. And now we got uh, Montana Hannibal says, my favorite year, probably the best 50s nostalgia movie I've ever seen. That is a great call. Drew just recently discussed this on a bonus episode with Ready Player One screenwriter Zach Penn, who also has a desperate love for my favorite year. I, you know, it's one of those movies where if you, you love it or you haven't seen it, I, I really I have yet to meet somebody who is uh, unimpressed by um, my favorite year. It is a very charming, very sweet and uh, human uh, let's say humane comedy about uh, comedy writers in the 50s and, and uh, uh, a has-been who uh, discovers that he's uh, still got some value. It's great. Peter O'Toole, Marklin Baker. Please listen to Montana Hannibal and check out My Favorite Year. Now we have Patrick McDaniel and he is a longtime listener as well. Thank you, Patrick. And he said, I saw used cars probably 30 years ago, but don't remember a thing about it. Popped up on cable a few weeks back and I have it DVR'd. Patrick, that's not help. No, I'm just kidding. That's very helpful. I'm, let us know when you do watch it, uh, how much you love it, because you will. Kevin Sharp, who is that Kevin Sharp on Twitter, says, shoot the moon. Found it to be a solid, if not exceptional, marriage drama until that ending, which made me sit up in my seat, mouth agape. Yeah. Uh, shoot the moon is one that Drew and I talked about extensively. Uh, it hit him in a very personal place. And for me, I had to stew on it for two or three days and really think about it. I even went and read some other reviews and I really did get some insight from other people. And I think it's a very impressive movie. movie. Alan Parker's Shoot the Moon with Albert Finney. Check that one out. Uh, guy in the third row uh, says Death Trap. Had been aware of it before, but hearing you guys talk about it really spiked my interest. And holy hell, I know Superman will always be the signature Christopher Reeve, but I wish we could have seen more of this side of his work. Great dark turn. Well said, guy in the third row. 
I appreciate that. That is uh, very, I, I will listen to anybody say something gracious and kind about Christopher Reeve, especially if it's accurate. And that is, uh, the guy had some hits and misses. Uh, we covered Monsignor, which is not a good film and he really didn't fit in it. But then you get something like Death Trap, which is just a fantastic mystery. And he plays against type in, in a remarkably clever way. Even if all you ever saw of Christopher Reeve besides Superman was just Death Trap, you'd know he he was more than just Superman. So uh, rest in peace to the wonderful Christopher Reeve. And please dig up Death Trap if you've not seen it. Greg Moore, who goes under Greggy Ta, T-A-H, says, The Verdict. Yeah. As a big Paul Newman fan, I embarrassed to say I had never seen it. Glad I did because it was an amazing film and News- Newman acted his heart out along with the rest of the cast. Yeah. There's so much to love about The Verdict. I mean, it is, like Drew mentioned on the show, uh, it is three people at the top of their game, uh, Sidney Lumet, a young David Mamet, and Paul Newman in the lead role. And even if you're generally bored by courtroom dramas, and and it's kind of a thriller, morality play, character study, even if you're generally disinterested in these types of stories, this is one of those that you should see. If you were to make a list of like the top five courtroom dramas, this would be on most film critics' list, most film fans' list, I think, I believe. So, yeah, The Verdict, if, uh, if you haven't seen that one, check that out. Uh, we have here from Smudge. Death Trap, just brilliant. I'm going to seek out Death Ship next. I always remember seeing the video cover as a kid, but never saw it. And then Blue72Pictures responds with, same. Yeah, okay, Death Trap is a great thriller. Death Ship is a sleazy, rusty, fun B movie, maybe C movie, but I do like it. Wouldn't necessarily put those two in the same uh, basket, but I like them both. Kyle Smith says, World According to Garp. John Lithgow's character was a win for the LGBT community, best Robin Williams performance, and just a powerful story with many layers. Well said. Thank you, Kyle Smith. Corporate Life says, I watched Star Trek II and Poltergeist the same day after I heard that episode. Love them both. I, I'm going to assume that A.S.H. Bowling is a some, somewhat young person who has never seen Star Trek II or Polar Guys before. Because if you're my age and you haven't seen those movies, oi. But uh, I, don't, I don't care if it's E.T. It doesn't matter. Uh, if we helped you uh, find a film that you like, that makes me very happy. And I will speak for Bobby and Drew and say it makes them happy too. And if they don't agree, they can take me to court. <clears throat> Deal with me. Jason Colvin says, Videodrome. It must be an acquired taste. Very weird. I didn't care for it. Deborah Harry was sexy, though. Fair enough. She definitely is. And uh, not just sexy, but uh, I thought she gave a surprisingly impressive performance in that movie. Kind of a shame she never uh, really followed through and did more acting. But I could see a Videodrome to somebody who, you know, uh, comes to it brand new. It could be alienating and and not not especially entertaining. Or uh, I I think it's one of the best sci-fi horror films of the decade. Uh, Mike Monty uh, says, The Verdict, and I've actively stopped looking for Condor Man as a result of 80s all over. I'm going to let my fond memories stand on their own. Good call, Mike Monty. Uh, Sometimes uh, certain movies just need to live in your nostalgia place and do not need to be resurrected for your uh, modern or contemporary eyeballs. (laughs) Uh, Not always, and it's up to you to decide. But for a movie like Condor Man, yeah, if you think it's best to remain as a hazy memory, I would recommend that. Uh, but on the other hand, there are lots of movies that you uh, could probably rediscover and really enjoy. We have here Mitchell Hall, 
who is The Fountain 73. He says, I bought my parents the DVD of used cars because the review was that strong and committed. <laughs> Thank you, Mitchell. I hope your parents dig used cars. JK2, uh, joysticks. Had to see if it was as bad as you said it was. Used cars. Never heard of it and loved it. Joysticks. Yeah, I, I, I still contend that if you're a, a huge uh, video game junkie or, or historian uh, and you'd, li you'd like looking, digging into the history of video games, uh, Joysticks, uh, along with The Wizard and The Last Starfighter and other films we'll get to, is definitely an interesting relic as far as the history of video games go. But if you take out all of the nerdy uh, video game aspect, it really is just a Z-level Animal House retread, and it's not very funny. Uh, it does have some cool people in it, though. Bob Taylor, who is uh, O-M-A-C-O-L-T, the Black Stallion. Okay, I think that we covered that in one of our bonus episodes in the 70s. Uh, we just recently covered the Black Stallion Returns, which is not terrible, but certainly not great. And uh, the Black Stallion remains one of my uh, favorite, I guess, family films. It's fantastic. Thank you, Bob. Uh, Jordan Rossio, J. Ross 91, Prince of the City, Death Trap, and The Verdict, all of which helped to further cement Lumet as one of my all-time favorite directors. Good call, good taste. Sidney Lumet is a brilliant filmmaker, and uh, he was still doing great work in the 80s, one of the true masters. Um, it's just as you watch his movies and just if you were to give yourself a two-week project to just start from the beginning and see all of Sidney Lumet's films, which I've never seen all of them. I've probably seen 80% of them. But uh, you just go through his body of work and it's just one after another. Yes, a, a few missteps here and there, but for the most part, the, the man's body of work is just stunning. Peter Mars, who uh, is Peter J. Mars. Sophie's Choice. It's culturally the non-genre equivalent of Soylent Green at this point. But you guys made a strong case for the film on its own merits. It showed up on a local streaming service, so I figured what the hell. Glad I did. Klein and Streep are amazing. Good point, Peter. Yeah, a lot of people, it is, uh, you hear people mention Sophie's Choice. This is my Sophie's Choice, blah, 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 blah. And it, it, it's kind of entered our cultural lexicon. And uh, a lot of people don't know exactly what it's referring to. And it's, uh, it's a harrowing aspect. Uh, and there's a lot more to the film than just that horrific choice that we always talk about. Um, uh, Mike Cohen, M. Cohen, 76, uh, Prince of the City and Death Trapped. Uh, Death Trap loved Prince of the City but only liked DT, Death Trap. And he, he uh, capitalized Prince of the City as well. And the fun thing about that is that is now Prince of the City, uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and what is the third film that you could use POTC as an acronym for? I'll leave that for another time. Greg Anderson with two S's. Death Ship. It sounded so up my alley that I immediately bought it on eBay. I was definitely a fan. It took itself so seriously, and George Kennedy was so into it. Uh, was so was into it. He put he accentuates into, which I like. Um, yeah, you know that, that that's the fun of movies like that is that they if they're they have to have a straight face. Uh, part is legitimately scary and effective, and some of it is ridiculous. Um, uh, and I think that a lot of times. Uh, if the actors uh, wink at the camera or the director plays a you know um, plays it a little snarky, uh, then we don't we don't really remember Death Ship as a decent horror movie. Um, we remember it as you know like just silly. James Collins, Jimmy is not happy, says 
The Howling. Pretty good and not what I expected with the bookends of the newscasts. Good. Glad. Glad you dug The Howling. I know that's got a special place in the heart of many horror fans, especially old old school horror fans like me. Uh, but if you're looking for werewolf films, uh, you, you start with, I guess, 1941's The Wolfman. Then you jump 40 years ahead to um, American Werewolf in London and, and The Howling in the same year. I do love werewolves. I'm glad you dug The Howling. Uh, Roberto Guapo says, The Long Good Friday. I'd never heard of it, but it's a gangster movie and it has Bob Hoskins. So how could it be bad? Good question, sir. The Long Good Friday is one of the best gangster movies. It has a uh, an odd title that could be construed many different ways. Uh, you know, does it have to do with Good Friday, meaning the uh, religious holiday? Does it have to do with, uh, is it ironic? Is it a actually Good Friday? No, it is not. Uh, but yeah, Long Good Friday, Bob Hoskins, classic British film. Dan Morgan, uh, Dan underscore Morgan says, tried to give The Last Shark a shot. Didn't make it very far, but we'll go back. Yeah, um, the infamous, uh, not unreleased, uh, or oh no, I'm sorry, temporarily released in America and then shut down by Universal. Uh, the Last Shark is, you know, a lot of times when stuff is so over-the-top kitschy or uh, inept, a lot of times that stuff is either taken in small special doses, like the three or four best moments from the movie, uh, or you watch it in two or three sittings. And uh, The Last Shark, Le Ultimo Squalo, is my Italian. Um, I believe uh, it is a terrible film. So there you go. Uh, Jeff Glover, who is Carl underscore Hungus, 314. You guys have some weird Twitter names. Dead and Buried. Love horror, but this one somehow slipped by me. Great film. Thank you, Jeff. Yes, uh, love Dead and Buried. I had the great pleasure of meeting the director, Gary Sherman, just last year in Chicago, and he was a very nice guy, and I waxed on and on and on about how much I love Dead and Buried. I don't want to give too much away. It's James Farentino, Melody Anderson, Robert, young Robert Englund, uh, Lisa Blount. It uh, opens with a shocking uh, murder, and, and then it goes in very twisted and, and dark directions, and uh, I hope that Drew and I will be able to unearth a few more of these uh, Near Dark, of course, will be one, but more people, I think, are familiar with Near Dark than they are with Den Buried. Uh, Bucky Stevens, uh, Buckley Stevens, who is at Buckley, says, Ordinary people, loved it. Great to see an emotional family drama which doesn't involve someone having an affair. <laughs> uh, that might be a reference. Uh, a, you're right in this era, and B, if, if that's kind of a clever inside joke to how many films Drew and I have covered that deal with the divorce. That is the whole plot. We are being separated, divorced, estranged, uh, and it was very common theme in films of this uh, early 80s time. Ordinary People deals with that uh, in some ways, well, not having an affair, but uh, family tragedy, and um, it does it really well. Ordinary People, great call, Buckley, thank you. Uh, Richie T310, Richard Taylor, says, The verdict, wow, bought it sight unseen and loved it, added to my annual viewing list. Hello, uh, okay, Patrick Kevin Day says, Dead and Buried, great EC Comics vibe, currently eyeing Prince of the City and The Verdict on Amazon Streaming. Wow, these are a lot of, hmm, we're getting a lot of the same titles, which is both good and not good, because there are more than just these eight or nine titles, but I guess we're good at, at selling the stuff we really liked. Uh, maybe make a note to myself to maybe try and be a little more enthusiastic about other films that I like, but not. Uh, finally, uh, this is from uh, Daniel Faust, says, 
Finally convinced myself not only to watch The Worlding According to Garp, but read the book as well because of you guys. It's now one of my personal faves. Thank you very much. That says it all. Drew will be very happy to hear that. He not only loved the movie, but he loved uh, the John Irving novel, and that is great. We are uh, thrilled to be your gateway for any kind of art that you love, especially John Irving and World According to Garp. Uh, Aaron D. Carr, 1985, Nighthawks. The idea of Rocky and Lando taking down Roy Batty to a Keith Emerson score was all I needed to track this movie down. Yes, this is a fun, uh, I guess back in the day it would have been slightly forgettable, but it it has uh, maintained a small cult status as a, uh, a, a somewhat intense, nasty action film. And Rucker Hauer plays a wonderfully evil terrorist in there. Aaron Roberts, uh, Go Big Blue 312. The Long Good Friday, been on my radar for years, but when Drew McWeeny ranked so high on his best of 82, I knew it was time, and it was awesome. Three exclamation points. Thank you, Aaron Roberts, and Drew will be happy to hear that. Long Good Friday is great. And our final entry is from Ali Axoy. Uh, okay, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, so, uh, spell that, sorry. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains is a huge discovery for me from 1980s all over. Prince of the City is awesome epic of police corruption and wiretap, paranoia as well. Treat Williams' performance a revelation. Fantastic. Thank you, Ali. Uh, we did get a lot of nice response about The Fabulous Stains. And again, that, that ladies and gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains is as much a discovery to me as it is to everyone else. And that, uh, that makes me very happy because most of, the show, most of the stuff on this show will not be uh, discoveries by me. But a young Diane Lane in the fantastic uh, drama... Ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous stains, and she wants to be a rock star, and you can hear that on the old episode. And that's that for this bonus episode. I want to thank each and every person who chimed in or retweeted the request. I want to thank everybody who uh, listens faithfully. So on behalf of me, Drew, and Bobby, thanks very much, and we will see you next week with a normal episode of 80s All Over. (laughs) 